0: It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini, along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling Text Line, 217-351-5357. Now here are your hosts. Lauren Tate, and Steve Kelly.
1: Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock today. From the studios here at News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, Lauren Tate is in the house. There's a basketball open practice session going on right now. There's a football game this afternoon, homecoming weekend what are you going to do today? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I'm not going to watch basketball this morning but as much as I'd like to, but um, I thought you'd dump me and go to the basketball practice today.
1: thought about that, but I uh, couldn't do that to you. So We haven't been together here in the studio for two or three weeks, so I yep. have to figure out how to do things again in here, but a lot going on, baseball playoffs, high school football action, uh, a yeah, Big Ten schedule that uh, has four Big Ten teams not playing today, they For the uh, teams have buys, but some good games on the schedule. We got a buy coming. Yep, got a buy coming in October. Another one coming in November. But uh, Illinois will get this game in today, Uh, an eleven point favor or underdog to um, Wisconsin, despite Wisconsin's one and three record. You know, you brought this up to me, then I looked into it a little further. That uh, since James McCourt hit that thirty nine yard field goal against. Wisconsin in 2019 homecoming. Wisconsin's lost 11 of 20 games they've played since. Yeah. They're 9 yeah, and under 11. Under 500. Yeah. Nine. So if they're in a downturn, that might have been the start of it.
2: Yeah, and it's really hard to judge them this year because the three teams they played were so, you know, even though they held uh, Notre Dame to three yards rushing total in some 30-odd rushes, they lost the game. And they lost the game basically because of interceptions and special teams, which is uh, doesn't carry over necessarily to the next game. I mean, and and I watched the Penn State game, the opener, and they outplayed Penn State and got beat by a point.
1: They did, and uh, actually, they got beat by. You talk Penn State game; mm-hmm. it was sixteen to ten.
2: Sixteen, yeah, by a touchdown, yeah. yeah.
1: That was, a good, that was a pretty good ball game, but their losses have come to number four, Penn State, number 14, Notre Dame, and number nine, Michigan, and Michigan beat them last week 38-17. to But they come in uh, to this game about an 11-point favorite at Memorial Stadium this afternoon. The game will kick at 240. Let's uh, go to the phone lines. Let's go to G. And Urbana, what do you say?
3: Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, I was watching that uh, Illinois 49ers game uh, last week, and I was thinking, you know, we're always thinking about trying to get a new name for the football team and for for the Illinois and all that, you know, and all. And I was thinking, how about the Illinois 39ers, the 39ers? How would that sound? I wish we'd keep the old one, but they're always thinking about, you know, they've had about five different uh, names here that the students wanted to trying to trying to get you know for the team here
1: what are you basing the 39ers on
3: us just just us being the 39ers a new name <laughs> Okay. Something, something, that's
2: something, a really something, good
3: something, idea stuff something, <laughs> something different the <than laughs> Illinois 39ers
2: well that's different. How about if we don't give them any kind of a name? How about if we just keep it the way it is?
3: Well, well you know what? I, I do, but, but you know, they're always talking about the Illinois 39ers. Or can we be the fine on 39ers?
2: Well, well, it could be the 29ers. <laughs> or the 89ers or the 19ers.
1: <laughs> hey, thanks for the call.
3: Hey, 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 Steve. Yeah. Hey, 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 Lauren. Yeah. Hey, when, you, when, when you see Joe, does he, I, I, I've known Joe forever. I remember him on Nevada Street. Tell him, tell him, uh, Bud. Bud is uh, over there on uh, Nevada Street watching uh, Don Gudgel. He'll understand. All right, Bud.
1: Okay. Bye. Appreciate the call. Might be some uh, tailgating going on uh, on campus uh, early this morning.
2: I think he's been ch- <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Change the subject in a hurry, Steve.
1: The, the phone line is open. Three five. <laughs> as you can tell, three five six <laughs> nine three nine seven. Area code 217 if you'd like to, uh, to join us. We've got plenty to talk about. Baseball, the White Sox find themselves with their backs to the wall a little bit uh, after Houston wins yesterday 9-8. to eight. They lead that series two games to none, the best of five coming back to Chicago. Milwaukee beat Atlanta 2-1. to one. The Brewers lead that series one game to none over the Braves. Boston gave up a grand slam home run in the first inning and then hit six of their own home runs.
2: Yeah, Chris Sale gave up a big one, and boy, they just came back slugging, didn't they? They uh, beat uh, Tampa Bay fourteen
1: to six, so that series is tied up. Heading back to um, to Boston, they're heading to Boston for uh, Game Three. And the Giants shut out the Dodgers four nothing. Giants take a one nothing lead, and uh,
2: another homer for a former Cub,
1: Chris Bryant.
2: Bryant had a single, two singles, and a homer.
1: So uh, he's doing well, and that's the update on uh, the Major League Baseball playoffs. Illinois football this afternoon against Wisconsin at 240. Other games quickly in the Big Ten today. Michigan State is at Rutgers. Maryland plays at Ohio State. Those games at 11 o'clock. The big game is out in Iowa City at 3. Penn State, number 4, against Iowa, number 3. Hawkeyes a slight favorite by a point or point and a half. Yeah,
2: that thing's been wavering just about even.
1: And then coming up tonight, number nine, Michigan, is at Nebraska. Let's go back to the phones and uh, say hi to Steve. You're on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Go ahead.
4: Hey, I noticed last week Stricker went up to Wisconsin with the Ryder Cup.
2: You're going to have to speak up. I'm not hearing you very well.
4: Last week?
2: Well, I don't know exactly what you said, but but as far as Steve Stricker is concerned, he lives up in Wisconsin. His his wife is uh, the daughter of the Wisconsin golf coach, and and uh, he's he's a Wisconsin native. I mean, and well, he, he might be busy this weekend. <laughs> and, and he spends his time both. Play, I mean, he he's very close to small, and he's very close to Wisconsin.
5: Yeah, I guess I would have just liked to see him come back, especially homecoming uh, when the Ryder Cup and
4: he's a graduate
1: of. Well, I, I, think, I think you'll see that happen at some point. Uh, maybe the timing wasn't right this, this weekend. But thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to Harold real quick. Hey, Harold.
5: Hi, Steve. Uh, I was just wondering if you and Lauren uh, might give us an idea of what you think the starting lineup would be uh, for the Illini basketball team uh, who might be in that mix right at this moment. It, as far as you know, I'll hang up and listen.
1: Okay, appreciate the call. I think maybe Kofield starts and at <laughs> Curbelo. They got
2: they got three starters for sure. Yeah, and then Frazier, you know, Frazier, and 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 uh, I I just think that probably they're gonna he's probably going to start paying at the four and substitute early, but whatever. I mean, why do we care who starts? Why don't you ask who's going to finish? Because the first eight minutes of the game, you'll see nine players in the game. Right, right. Steve? I mean, yeah. the first the first four minutes, you're going to see a substitution or two or three. And then you're going to see Payne move over to the center when Kofi comes out, and then you're going to have to, you know, these. I don't know whether they'll play the two of them together very much because they're both going to be playing the center position as well. And I think that the, the other position that's uncertain, it sounds a bit like it's between Granderson and Hutcherson, at at that wing Uh, I don't think that uh, Williams is going to start but he's going to play a lot and the answer is that you're going to have eight or nine guys that are going to play in a in a rotation and he's not going to be anxious in the first five games to settle on any kind of a lineup he's going to have he's going to be testing all kinds of groups together and uh, I mean this isn't like the old days when you had the five whisk kids, and they were the starters and finishers, and right. and you never substitute, or or when Harry Combs was coach later on, when you had five starters and a sixth man named Ted Beach or something, where you had where you had a kind of a set situation. It was set for years with Lou. Lou didn't uh, didn't he would set a, a lineup. We don't have one. There won't be one this year, and there won't be one maybe ever under Underwood. And they weren't making. Uh...
1: Wholesale line changes at the 16-minute uh, mark no, in the first half either, <laughs> no.
2: and and I'll be surprised if it goes that far. Yeah, you know, he's just going to he's going to have he's going to have that thing moving, and and he's, and they're going to be trying to keep track of how many minutes so and so's played, and 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 uh, and Corbello will come out, and then they move Fraser over to point, and then they put Crobello back in, pull Fraser out. I mean, it's just going to be a a mishmash of uh, and and the first five or six games, it'll all be. He, he'll be learning, at, at, and when those games are over, then he'll probably have a better idea of what he wants to do.
1: And you might get a better idea, or at least an, an idea, of how some of these guys look if you're available to go to practice. They're practicing till about 11 o'clock at the State Farm Center as we speak, and uh, a good opportunity to see these guys uh, before their first exhibition game, probably the only opportunity you'll have a chance to see them and you'll get a feel for how Hutcherson looks and such.
2: Unless I made a mistake when I looked this up, Corbello didn't start a single game, but he played more than 20 minutes frequently. In fact, he played 36 minutes one game as a sixth man. St-
1: he started when Io got hurt. No. He
2: didn't? I looked it up, and, and unless I saw it wrong, he, he did not start. He came in the game early. Okay. But uh, that was, a, you know, again, I looked it up, but can I make a mistake? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it's early in the day yet. <laughs> don't have one registered yet. I don't think. Yeah,
2: I, I got all over that the other day because I, you know, I'm fixing to write a uh, a basketball column next Sunday, and and the the subject of it that I have in mind is how did Illinois do when uh, I O was out? Because that's what they're going to be doing this exactly. year, playing without I O, and I just thought it was interesting uh, those those games. I think it was like. Uh, um, Well, here it is. I've got it right in front of me. Uh, Okay, Uh, let's see. How many minutes did Corbello play? Corbello played 31, 25, 19, 26. That's the last four games of the regular season. And uh, against Ohio State, let's see, uh, he had 19. He had 15 minutes against Rutgers in the first uh, game of the tournament. And then Iowa, he had 28 minutes, and Ohio State was an overtime game, and he played 36 minutes. But I don't have him starting in those games.
1: Okay. Nine twelve is the time. If you'd like to join us, feel free to jump in. Uh, Steve Stricker, by the way, the little research shows, is playing in a Champions Tour event this weekend. Oh, is he? So uh, that uh, might answer the previous caller's question. We had another text question about uh, Cincinnati's game. They played last night, and they played Temple and – Number five, Cincinnati beat Temple fifty-two
2: to three. Yep, Cincinnati's rolling, and I think they're going to go undefeated. Steve, I, there's a good chance, way better than 50-50 chance to go undefeated now, with those key wins over Indiana and Notre Dame behind them. Question I, I have for you: Does that, Is that going to put them in the Final Four?
1: I can't answer that. I for me, yes, but I, I don't. It
2: would help if Texas beat Oklahoma today. It would. It would help if uh, you know certain teams lose and and create an opening for them. Right now, I would say they're fifth. I mean, I think they're one slot out of the top four right, right now.
1: It's kind of a shame to me that, I mean, I get the, uh, the Oklahoma-Texas showdown, but the national media is missing Penn State-Iowa, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, sure. I mean, that's a huge game and but these things top are, five
2: team. These things are planned. I know. And, and, I get In long range, but you just don't. I mean, Texas, Oklahoma is so huge. I understand on an annual basis, and and Penn State and Iowa seldom play. I mean, right. they're in opposite divisions, and and they don't. I don't know when Penn State's played at Iowa, but I mean. they're seldom in
1: the top five together either, and they are now. Yep, so yeah, let's go to Howard real quick. He wants to talk Cardinal baseball? Go ahead, Howard.
6: How did you like that game the other night? I didn't like it.
2: <laughs> well, I think you answered the question you got to be able to hit. you got to be able to take balls that are out of the strike zone and not swing at them. As soon as you yeah, sp- uh,
6: do you think the Cardinals are going to revamp the infield for next year?
2: No. I think they might change shortstop. Yeah, but that would I be I the think, only thing. Isn't I it? think third, second, <laughs> and first base are pretty well set. <laughs> I'd say.
6: Yeah, that was kind of my point of my question about DeYoung. D- I think he's he's kind of a weak weak link sometimes.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, uh, so weak that he didn't start the game, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, he hit about 190.
1: Although he did hit 20 home runs and in what turned out to be limited at bats, but uh, I'm not advocating for him. I I think his uh, shelf life maybe has gone by. Maybe he'd be a good guy to have as a, as a backup and maybe a DH for, at times if that comes, but probably not.
2: He does come up with some good plays from time to time. Yeah, but there's a lot of good free agent shortstops available. Most in the history of the game. Yeah, half a yeah. dozen, half a dozen Who's guys available. Who be available at that spot, Lauren? Well, Seeger and Lindor and they're Seeger from the... Trevor Story from Colorado. Story, yeah. Stories yeah, he are, wants out,
7: doesn't he?
2: Yeah. Well, they're I don't know how many... Whether they want out is another question, but they are available, and, and the teams that have them are going to have to work hard to sign them, and they're free agents. A number of them are free agents. The Cardinals can get their best shortstop in years by getting into that market, and they have the money. Uh, saved over from you know they don't have Martinez to pay anymore. They don't have Fowler. They won't have Carpenter. They won't have Miller. They they've got a lot of money uh, saved up to to invest in a shortstop, but they also may want to invest in another starting pitcher. Yep.
6: I I don't know whether the the, the Witt family will do that or not. They they uh, sometimes they're like the Hallises. I think.
2: Well, if they're like the Hallises, they certainly. Did They spend a lot of money at third base and first base, so I, I would say they will spend it. And they made a terrific offer to Pujols, which we're glad he didn't take.
6: Oh, I am too.
2: So anyway, that's...
6: There's almost a strategy on every pitch now, isn't there?
2: Well, yeah, the strategy is to throw the ball outside the strike zone and hope the guy will swing at it.
6: Yeah, I've never seen so many guys uh, swing at pitches that are almost bounced to the plate or in the dirt.
2: Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey Howard, thanks. Appreciate your call. All
6: right, All right. see you later.
1: Yep, we'll squeeze in Alan real quick. Alan from Montrose, go ahead.
8: Yeah, I just got on just a minute ago. Maybe you guys already brought this up. Boy, I don't know how you guys enjoy baseball when it's a four and a half hour, nine innings. Well, they didn't get nine innings in.
2: It's brutal. It's hard to watch. It wow. really is. It really is. And they they don't have an answer. They've talked about a you know uh, limiting the the time that that a pitcher has to throw the ball and. And there's, there's all kinds of talk about it. But when you change, how many of these games do you see a different pitcher every inning from the sixth inning on? They're all yeah, doing so it.
8: Much for the, so much for the three uh, batter minimum,
2: huh? Well, yeah, you don't have it. to have three batter minimum. If you finish an inning, you can face one batter oh. and end the inning and they can bring another pitcher in. Yeah, it's, it's too yeah. bad. The, the game has gotten way too long. But nevertheless, these are interesting games now.
8: Well, even the Milwaukee game yesterday—it was a nine-inning game, two-to-one game. It still took three hours to yeah, do.
2: Yeah.
8: Back in the day, Gibson would have never allowed that. Yeah. Uh football question: Is Motes going to be quarterbacking today?
1: We're going to find out, uh, maybe a little more on that in just moments ahead. If you'll stay tuned, we've got the uh, voice of the Wisconsin Badgers going to join us in just a minute.
8: Anything else, Alan? No, that's it. I I think this might be a. Uh, much better game than most people think. If we can get quarterback play, that's the big if. I think,
1: I think both teams are looking for quarterback play, no doubt about it. Thanks for the call, Alan. We appreciate it. Huh? It nine seventeen. News Talk 1400, ninety three nine FM, I Pedal Saturday, Sports Talk. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. And Matt LaPay, the voice of the Wisconsin Badgers, in time for the game, on uh, the line with us. Good morning, Matt. How are you?
9: Good, Steve. How you doing?
1: Good. We got ordered up a pretty good day of football weather for you. It feels more like summer, I think. It will uh, before the day's out, but uh, you can't argue about uh, sunshine and mid 80s in October, can you?
9: No, not at all. It seems like at least with the, with Wisconsin this year, the warmest day of the week has been game day. So I'm going to remember all this when the snow's flying here in <laughs> a few weeks. Days but, like this, you just you embrace.
1: Well, we had a question you may have heard there about the quarterback situation and whether Graham Mertz was going to be in the lineup. What do you know? What are you hearing from the Wisconsin coaches?
9: Well, everything sounds pretty good for him to, to get in there today. Um, yeah, as everybody knows, he got banged up last week in the in the Michigan game. And even uh, even on Monday, they talked about how everything was checking out the right way. So uh, looking for him. He's, uh, he's on my board. So uh, anticipating that he'll be in there this afternoon.
1: Yeah, I thought when they made him available to uh, the media on Monday, that was probably a sign that uh, that he was going to go through a normal week.
9: Yeah, normally, uh, I guess you never. Uh, we've all been around college football enough. You never want to make real hard assumptions right. <laughs> about stuff like that. But uh, yeah, everything seems to be checking out, checking out okay with with for Wisconsin. You know, it, w- it would be important for him, and it's not a knock against any anybody else. On the roster, or in the quarterback room specifically, but I think the way Graham threw the ball in the second quarter of that Michigan game it was a very tough start. They couldn't get anything generated on the ground or in the air in the first quarter, and then Graham really started to wing it around, and that that was the best really he had looked since the, you know the game against the Illini really last last October, and, and we're all thinking that's the guy that we know. So you know, we'll see how you know, how much he'll be able to go, how effective he could be, we'll all find that out together, but but like I said, everything seems to be checking out uh, the way you would want it to for Graham to be out there this afternoon.
2: Matt, this is Lauren. Uh, tell us what you feel about uh, our new coach here at Illinois.
6: What's... Well, I, yeah.
9: I, yeah, Lauren, first, first, good to talk to you again. Um, I've always, I hold Brett in really high regard. Um, you know, maybe I'm biased because we, we developed a you know, a bit of a friendship over the years, uh, you know, during the season. Obviously, it's not going to be a whole lot of correspondence. We we swapped messages before for the uh, the first Illinois game against Nebraska. But, um, you know, I, I think what he did at Wisconsin, uh, I think as time passes, more people appreciate it. When you're following the legend, that's that's not a really easy gig. You know, Barry did a, a great job, well-documented what he was able to do at Wisconsin. Um, but following that guy or anybody of that status is hard and what Brett was able to do the first year they were terrific there was a little slippage especially in year three and then built it back up to win three straight Big Ten championships and you know trips to the Rose Bowl Um, and he had a great staff around him and they had really good players but uh, you know I think he was able to to main, you know, maintain the blueprint of of what what had worked under Alvarez, and yet, you know, be his own guy too. You know, there were some differences between the two. Brett was probably more of a risk taker in in game day decisions in certain areas, but um, you know, there there are a lot of layers of Brett that, and I may have mentioned this to to some of you guys back at when when Brett was hired. Uh, you know, he was at Wisconsin. Media loved him because he could say just about anything, right? He wasn't afraid to stir stuff up. But what I think was underappreciated by a lot of the people who covered the team, uh, they really didn't have a lot of issues. There were a couple of players who strayed in 08, and that was corrected. And you know, I've had people from academic services and everybody who talked about it was a low-maintenance program. So not only did they win, they did so in a way that I think Fans and alumni could could be proud of, and, and I maintain to this day I think that was a bit of an underappreciated component to what Brett brought to to the Wisconsin Badger program.
2: Well, Matt, what, what's your version of why he left?
9: Well, I think some of it, and it's just my gut feeling on this, Lauren, is that in today's football, when you get to that seven, eight, nine year mark, you probably feel like you have a little bit of an itch to go and I think Brett maybe he just thought in my own for my own seat he thought maybe he could go somewhere where there were more resources or he thought there was a better chance for him to uh, to play on the absolute biggest stages um you know you could question whether Arkansas was going to be that right landing spot but obviously he felt at the time that that was going to be the case um and you know there were some good early positive signs you know they had the tough first year which I think everybody expected and then they were you know hitting hitting back to a level of respectability with that program and then slippage and so on and so forth everybody knows the history but I I just think um, in, in today's world maybe more than ever once you're there a certain number of years you probably feel like you should move on maybe that was a part of it with brett i'll always wonder i don't know if he you know would, would think the same way i always wonder what if you know what if he would have you know just stayed in madison and you know he could have some records you know by now he's already the second winningest coach but yeah you make the decision that you think are the, is the best at the time and maybe the record showed that it wasn't great but i think he grew as a coach in his time at arkansas and certainly his time in the NFL, specifically with the New England Patriots. Um, even from a distance, I see a little bit of a different Brett Bielema now than, than the one I saw in his time in Madison.
1: You mentioned seven years. This is Paul Christ's seventh year in Madison. Of course, he's a Madison native and an alumni. Um, but uh, talk a little bit about the job that he's done. He's got a nice overall record, 57-22 and 22 there. Some struggles, but again, uh, when you say struggles, they lost to the three top fifteen, te- uh, top fifteen teams to uh, represent their three losses: Penn State, Notre Dame, and Michigan last week. But uh, how is it uh, working with Paul Christ, and, and how is he viewed? Do you think uh, in Madison?
9: Oh, it's awesome working with him, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't have that seven-year itch. Right. I don't think he's looking. To, I don't think he's looking to go anywhere. It's you know, the body of work has been terrific with what he's done here. To you know, be West division champs, uh, you know, three different occasions that we've all, everybody in the league is at that Ohio state problem right now, just trying to find a way to, to beat the Buckeyes, but they've been, uh, you know, as good as anybody else in, in the conference in, in that stretch of time, it's been a model of consistency. Uh, you know, this is different right now. They haven't been one in three since Barry's first year in 1990. But as you mentioned, Steve, I think the schedule certainly has been a part of that when you're playing the teams they're playing, but the uh, I mean, variety of factors this year—they just—they you know, haven't run the ball particularly well, and, and you know everything offensively has has been more of a model of inconsistency so far this season. But uh, Paul is one of those guys you hear a lot in sports about a, a guy who's a really good fit for a place. You know, Paul knows how things work at the University of Wisconsin. He embraces you know the challenges that are there um and again his staff is really good it's it's a blend of you know some younger guys but certainly a veteran mix um even with the bumpy start this year you're always going to have fans everybody's brave on twitter from mommy's basement right but i think (laughs) the the majority of fans who have been around that have seen where this program has come from what it is now i think they they really uh, they embrace paul and they very much appreciate what he's been able to accomplish
2: I'd like to hear your comments on Alvarez now, and and his move. And I kind of thought he might be a, a Wisconsin lifer and a, a AD up there, and and now he's going with the Big Ten. Uh, what's your reaction to that?
9: Well, he he always made it pretty clear he wasn't somebody who was just going to to hang on. He wanted to be able to do different things, spend more time with uh, with Cindy, travel more. They, they have a place in Naples. Uh, they've had a place down there for a long time, Naples, Florida, where I think he'll be spending more time uh, as we move forward. His role with the, big, with the Big Ten, it's nice. It's kind of a, I don't know if a consultant or I don't know how you title the role, but he has regular conversations with, uh, with Commissioner Kevin Warren. Um, but I think he's a valuable asset for the league on a variety of fronts, relationship with coaches, relatability to, to the coaches, with the television partners, uh, uh, so on and so forth. So, the, you know, the fact that he he retired was really not a surprise to, to any of us who know him pretty well. But I would also tell you this, talking to his wife Cindy last week, they're busier now which <laughs> she would say in retirement. Uh, Than even the last couple of years as athletics director, there's always something going on. He and I do a podcast a couple of times a month. We did a series of podcasts over the spring and summer. Um, that's just that's a drop in the bucket compared to the other things he's doing for the league and you know doing some speaking engagements, all of that. And he's also Warren, a valuable tool for Chris McIntosh. Barry is very good about you know letting people do their jobs, but the door is open, and he'll answer the call if Chris wants to bounce some ideas off of him or you know, just be a sounding board. He's, he's always going to be there for, for the new AD.
2: Matt, I'm going to swing over to basketball real quick, and, and you, you see in, uh, Wisconsin recovering from the, the difficulties of, at the end of last season when the uh, information came out that the, some of the senior players were unhappy with the coach.
9: Yeah, the edited leaks, uh, the the dreaded edited leaked audio, right? Uh, <laughs> right? Always, always a little drama somewhere in in, in the world of basketball. I I can tell you this much, um, and I don't want to just sound like the public relations guy, but having watched these these guys go through some of their summer workouts, uh, you you walk in the gym and you would have no idea that any of that stuff existed because. And I think the primary reason for that, Lauren, is you've got a serious roster turnover here. The yeah. rotation is going to look dramatically different. So there are a lot of minutes to be earned, um, including with a couple of a couple of guys who are freshmen who would figure to factor in significantly. Chucky Hepburn out of Nebraska and Marcus Ilver from Estonia but went to a prep school in Ohio. Those are a couple of guys who I think right away fans are going to see quite a bit. But even with some returning players, the role will increase. Jonathan Davis, I think, can be one of the more talented players of the league. Kyler Wall, now in his junior year, it sounds like he's asserting himself more in a leadership position. And uh, you know, Brad Davison, who's someone I, I hold in very high regard, uh, I know everybody else in the league are gonna they're gonna think it's his twelfth year, <laughs> but he, he took advantage of the of the extra year of eligibility, so he's back for his fifth his fifth season of playing. Um, I understand where the expectations are not going to be very high for this team, but in a, in a lot of ways, Wisconsin is, is not like most teams. They kind of like that <laughs> no. historically. Wisconsin has been pretty good historically at uh, outperforming outside expectations so what that means this year I have no idea but I am really eager to see what this team will be
2: about. It seems like it's been going on for about 20 years we've been underrating them most of the time.
9: Yeah it does and they they have feasted on that it's years like last year where the expectations were really high coming in coming off a Big Ten championship team and you know so much was made about you know how old these guys were for a college team, but you know it doesn't necessarily guarantee anything. So it, that probably made people up, up in Wisconsin a little nervous because the expectations were so high. Uh, this year, they, they don't have to worry about those those kind of outside expectations. But I could tell you their own, you know, their own standard is pretty high. So we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see how good they are. I'm eager to see if if, if Chucky Hepburn is really going to be that guy who's going to be the point guard. You know, is a true freshman really going to get the keys to the car. Sounds like he's got every chance to do that. Um, he's got a little personality to him to go with his game. So uh, I think a lot of people are really excited to see what, what this team will be will be like in, in, in the coming months.
1: That's Matt LePay, the voice of the Badgers. Welcome back to town, Matt. Appreciate your time, and uh, we'll see you over at the stadium later on.
9: Absolutely. Good talking to you guys. We'll see you over there. You Thanks, too. Matt.
1: It is 9.31. We need to take a break here on Newstalk 1400. Illinois-Pella Saturday Sports Talk rolls on with Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you. We're here until eleven. Back with you on our pregame coverage, Illinois and Wisconsin homecoming game. Our pregame coverage begins at twelve thirty today. Let's bring in our next guest. Thanks to Matt uh, Lepay, by the way, the voice of the uh, Wisconsin Badgers, checking in now with uh, Jeremy Werner. From 24/7 Sports, I Inquirer. Good morning, Jeremy. How you doing, my friend?
10: Doing well, guys. Uh, early morning, checking out the uh, basketball team here at State Farm Center. So, uh, apologies for the ambiance, but uh, might not be a bad thing for you guys in the radio. But getting a first glimpse of these guys.
1: We so, like you know, ambiance. What what have you seen so far? What what's the crowd like?
10: Uh, I'd say there's a couple hundred people here. Um, you know, it's hard to tell. Uh, but the, the lower, you know, A section, uh, you know, a lot of smattering of people. I'd say about probably 40% pull there, but obviously people are very excited uh, about this team and, and how good it can be, and so far just seeing them go on air a lot, you know, stretching out, and now they're kind of just running up and down the court, but uh, supposed to get some 5-on-5 five five action here uh, pretty shortly. Sure.
1: Do, uh, does Lauren and myself, do we need to talk you off any kind of ledge this morning uh, <laughs> when we start, gonna, to start talking about uh, the White Sox and baseball playoffs? Are you okay?
10: uh yeah i'm fine like I, I understand we should be back again at some point i understand that five game series can turn pretty quickly so i'd like to, to win game three one because guys i, I bought tickets for game four That's kind of a bold call on my part um but yes yeah, i mean the astros are really really good it's just disappointing to see a team that is so talented they did kind of sleepwalk through the second half looks like they're kind of sleepwalking into the playoffs maybe this is just part of the experience that, that they need to know what playoff baseball is actually like. Because last year wasn't quite the same without home crowds and all of that. But uh, the pitching hasn't been very good. And uh, I think Tony Russo deserves all the criticism he's getting, gotten for the last uh, couple of games, especially yesterday, where he kind of throws his fourth or fifth best reliever in instead of putting Kopech in in a high leverage situation. So uh, he was
2: supposed to be better at this um, uh,
10: managing pitchers thing. And yesterday was not a very good game for him.
2: Well, I think you told me uh, when we talked about this earlier, you were concerned about the pitching, and Lynn just couldn't get the ball past him. The, uh, Houston was all over him, weren't they? Yeah,
10: he's a fastball pitcher, and Houston hits the heck out of fastballs. I mean, Houston hits the heck out of anything. That's, they they are the deepest lineup. They make a lot of contact. They don't strike out a lot. Uh, I thought Giolito did pretty well the first time through the order, but uh, he was battling, and, and through that fourth inning, I just thought you know, he didn't have it anymore. Um third time through the lineup, I thought it was time to put Kopech in. I think I think Tony kind of locked himself into a, this is what I want the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning to look like, and you can't pitch like that in the, the playoffs. So I think you got to throw your high leverage guys in high leverage situations no matter what the innings are, and uh, he paid for it. Uh, and, and Craig Kimball, would be honest with just hasn't been very good. Our defense wasn't very good yesterday, while well, Houston was just stealing base hits from us, stealing runs from us all night. So. So far, Houston's definitely been the better team. So hopefully we can find a way to win game three with Rodon. Hopefully we play Kopech with a lead uh, and find a way to push it to game four.
2: Well, the good news that you've got is that this team's going to be good for a while with Robert yeah. and Abreu and Anderson. They've, they're going to have a good lineup on the field for a long time. Just It'll all come down to the pitching, which it always does anyway <laughs> for everybody, I guess. But I, I think the yeah, I mean, White Sox are here to stay.
10: Yeah, that's the thing. I think we know this isn't going to be the only year we make the playoffs, or you hope so, certainly, but I agree with you more. And I think Luis I think Roberts has been great in this series. Tim Anderson has been great in this series. Oh, uh, Jimenez, we need to get going. Um, so Brayu had a couple hits yesterday. Like, I actually like the hitting approach. I just thought Houston uh, was really good defensively, kind of stole some runs away from us, but the pitching has to be better, as you guys know, as I know, from 2005, um, you get hot pitching, and that can carry you through an entire postseason, so they're going to have to get right. We'll have to see what uh, Rodon gives us on uh, on Sunday. And then hopefully, you know, Dylan Cease, has been fantastic all year, can can be great. But it's just, it's just a shame that, uh, you know, we haven't had Kopech and, and Hendricks, two elite relievers, uh, playing a meaningful inning.
1: Talking to Jeremy Werner, let's talk football. Now, if Kofi happens to break a backboard or anything while you're watching, let us know that. But uh, uh, He's
10: tried to, Steve. He's tried to. And i, I got to tell you guys um, – Andre Corbello is, is silly good. Uh, he is in for a monster year. He's been impressive so far, and from what I've heard, hitting a lot more jumpers and three pointers in practice. So, um, Kofi's great. I, I think Andre Corbello and Kofi are one of the, the best duos in, in, in college basketball. It's going to be so exciting to watch.
1: On the uh, football game this afternoon, homecoming game, Wisconsin favored by 11. Um, <laughs> you could make a case that I'm not sure either team's going to score 11, but uh, <laughs> what what do you look for in this game this afternoon?
10: Yeah, I think, um, I think Wisconsin's probably better than their record, right? Uh, I think their quarterback play is just, if there's one team in the big 10, maybe two teams, Wisconsin and Rutgers are kind of been the teams that quarterback play has probably been as bad uh, as Illinois. So quarterback play, of course, right? I mean, if if this isn't Brandon Peters last chance at this thing, I I, I don't know. They must be fully committed to him. And I I don't understand why it's time to see him make better plays, make some plays, uh, make better decisions. He has taken care of the ball. And I think that's what they really, really like, but, you know, Wisconsin, I think, I think their offensive line is not as strong. Their running backs are not as strong. The offense doesn't really scare you all that much. So I think Illinois' defense, if, if they continue what they're doing, and I think Ryan Walters and that crew have earned a little bit of trust here that, that they can keep Illinois in a game, but it's can the offense make enough plays. Um, yeah, I just uh, – running attack, I think it's good for Illinois. Can they do it against the best rushing defense in the Big Ten, like Notre Dame? their running backs have 39 yards on 20 carries. and they got some of the best running backs in the country. Michigan, one of the best rushing attacks in the country, got 110 yards, I believe, but it took 45 carries to get there. Uh, So I I just think you're going to need some plays in the passing game, and I I just don't know if I trust Illinois' quarterback, its receivers uh, to do that enough. So I think the blueprint, guys, the same blueprint it was two years ago. Wisconsin turns the ball over a lot uh, in their three losses. The turnover margin is 11-2 to two, uh, in favor of the opponent. Um, Illinois you know, has, has forced a lot of turnovers, 6-2, over their last three games. So I, I think they'll have a chance. But can you make plays downfield? Can you make the first down throws that you need? Uh, we just haven't seen it. So we're going to see Brandon Peters and passing attack take take a big step.
2: I'm not sure that uh, we got any um, favorable comments from Bielma on this regard because he, he talked about protection and getting open and – Hitting open receivers and said we're weak in all three of those areas yesterday. Is basically what he said, and that's true. And some somewhere along the way, they're going to have to figure out some passing because, obvious. I think it's obvious that Illinois is not going to be able to run like they did against Charlotte. And that that's right. that's an understatement of the of the year. I mean, I don't know if they'll be able to get 100 yards today. And I, do you think that do you think that the passing is there something about Wisconsin that that they can take advantage of?
10: <laughs> um, well, here's the thing. Like, I I can agree with Brett to an extent. And I think he is trying to protect his quarterback publicly. Uh, but but we've seen him get hard on Brand. I've seen it on the sidelines. Um, they need more out of him, and it's understood that there's a caveat here, and that his receiver group probably the worst in the Big Ten. His pass protection has not been good. But you know what? It was good. It was good against Charlotte. They had uh, open receivers. I thought Tony Peterson had a strong game. Actually, as a play caller. Uh, I thought he had great pass protection against against Charlotte, um, but he didn't make the throws. He didn't make the right decisions. He had several wide receivers open uh, and just didn't make the plays. So I, I think he's got to be better. And to be honest with you, like the pass protection probably not going to be as good today because Wisconsin's really good at getting to quarterback and their DBs are better at covering wide receivers. So uh, they need their quarterback to make some plays. And I, I just think they're trying to build his confidence, trying not to criticize him too much publicly, uh, but they know that he needs to be better. And, well, it's a great defense. Like Most of the points they've given up recently are off turnovers uh, from the offense or special teams there. So I think Jim Leonard is one of the best defense coordinators in football. Uh, he, he could be an NFL defense coordinator. He could be a, a Power 5 head coach if he wanted to. But he just he loves his alma mater. So um, I, I just think it's a huge fact. And Brandon Peters needs to play one of his best games at Illinois today.
2: Do you think that uh, Leonard was considered seriously for the Illinois job at any point?
10: I don't know that, orange, uh but I had him on my list on my yeah, short list. Yeah, um, yeah. From what I understand, he didn't have any interest, uh, yeah. even if Illinois reached out. So I think that tells you how comfortable Jim Leonard is making seven figures as a coordinator, right? He can be picky; uh, doesn't want to move his family. Uh, I don't think he's going to be the head coach at Wisconsin anytime soon with Paul Chris being so young. But uh, he, he could be—he he turned down the Green Bay Packers uh, defense coordinator job, so. Um, he's one of those coordinators that he could be coordinator for life if he wanted to and make really good money and have great job security.
1: Hey, Jeremy, we appreciate your time. We'll let you get back to watching some basketball practice, and we'll see you at the football stadium later on this afternoon.
2: Yeah, when we see you, we'll, we want to know what happened in basketball. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do. We'll let you know, guys.
1: <laughs> see you. Jeremy Werner with us from the Line Eye Inquirer 247 Sports, here at 945. We'll take a break and be back with more. We've got an open line until 10. If you would like to join us, we'll run down those high school football scores in just a moment as well. Stay with us. Back after this. It is 948, Illinois Fellows Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, WDWS. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you. Phone line open, 217-356-9397. Let's go down to the Bluegrass State and say hello to Steve in Kentucky. Go ahead,
4: Steve. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, I just wanted to let uh, Illini Nation know that I uh, just finalized uh, my plans for the, the Hall of Fame tournament game there uh, Thanksgiving week on November 22nd, 23rd. And uh, got on there to buy my tickets, and I was stunned to find – that uh, I was able to get tickets uh, at $15 a piece. for That includes both games, uh, four rows up off the floor. And uh, I don't know why they're so cheap. I think with fees and everything, I paid 25 50 per ticket. So I uh, encourage uh, everyone to, to go down there and make the game As hopefully uh, we'll play Arkansas that, that second game. Um, and I think that'll be our toughest non-conference opponent that we play um, this year. So uh, I think it'll be a a great time and encourage people to to make the trip down, especially if you're on the fence. Uh, I don't know why tickets are so cheap, maybe because it's a weekday uh, tournament game. Uh, Just trying to draw fans, but uh, it's, uh, it's a great deal. So I encourage people to go.
1: All right. Get them while you can. Get them while they're inexpensive, huh? <laughs> they, might, they may go up when you exactly. get closer to the date.
4: Exactly, yes. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, Steve, thanks for the call. We appreciate it.
4: All right. Hey, thank you, guys.
1: Yep, thank you. Let's go down, keep, uh, down south with Marty in Pinehurst. Go ahead, Marty.
5: Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Morning. Um, it's not a good golf day to hear, Steve. It's raining.
7: So,
1: <laughs> well, we've Sorry got a good that. golf day here. Just no time to do it for Lauren and I.
5: Gotcha. A um, couple things. One, I what little I can see with what vision I've got left. I I think one of Peter's bigger problems other than a new offense, et cetera, et cetera, and he missed time being hurt, he doesn't have his his, uh, his uh, little blanket of security out there with the Mater Bebe where he can just throw the ball up and let him jump up and go get it. Because he did that a lot of times in the past, made a lot of big plays. And he doesn't seem to have that guy, you know, that he's comfortable with and he's second-thinking too much. But that's, that's a whole subject. Let's get on the more important one. Uh, Allen's call about the time of games. If you remember maybe four years ago, they were going to make a big push and batters were going to have to stay in the box, one foot in the box, And if they didn't get in in time or didn't get time from the umpire, they were going to warn them once, and then it was going to be a strike. And that lasted about a week. And the rule is still there that you're supposed to keep one foot in the box. You're not supposed to be wandering around. But they don't enforce it. And they don't, you know, they don't do things. The umpires are not doing things, and I'm guessing the union balked at things. I don't know. That needs to change because these games are going way too long and uh, pitchers need to throw the ball and batters need to stay in the box and just keep the damn game moving instead of trying to cerebrally think what the pitcher's going to throw and what could happen. Uh, I get tired of that too. Now, last question. I need help from you guys and I haven't heard it and I've been doing other things this week. I'm still befuddled why Gallegos didn't just keep throwing since they had a day off and he'd had four days off. I wish I knew if there was injury or some concern. And I'm for damn sure couldn't understand why he threw Reyes in in a ninth inning clutch. And the reason I tell you that is I called a friend of mine before that home run. I talked to him. I said, game's over. He said, what do you mean? He said, Reyes is going to give up a home run. And he said, what are you talking about? The time he said, talk, boom, the ball left the ballpark.
1: That was his fourth pitch. Why
5: do you? <laughs> yeah. Why do you throw a guy in who's had ninth inning troubles, lost a closer's job, and put him in when you got a roster full of, of arms for that one-game playoff. I, I haven't heard discussion on that. Maybe maybe Schilt touched on that, but I haven't heard it. Have you guys?
1: I've not heard it, but that was my first comment is uh, you got Flaherty sitting in there, you got Dakota Hudson sitting in there, and you got – you may not have a game. Yeah, Cody Whitley. Yeah, you may not Cody have a Whitley. game two days later. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. fair game.
5: But, but – why egos couldn't throw two innings he didn't throw that many pitches right and you had a day of rest before it started I did and he had four days of rest before the game definitely and throw him two definitely Sunday.
2: throw him two innings definitely
5: yeah I didn't get that at all But, of course now maybe he's not feeling you know we don't know the story behind the scenes I give coaches that credit because I coach that's right but man that bothered me that bothered me i mean I was disgusted I knew it was going to happen before I mean I called I called one of my guys who's a Cardinal fan and said, it's over. And no sooner than I hardly, we got the conversation on than boom. And I'm like, I, I I don't hear anything about it. I wish someone could explain it to me. But, uh, but I tell you that the future is very bright, though, with the arms they've got coming off DL, coming back, uh, with the way the outfield performed this year, there's hope. And that's a good thing. That's a very good thing.
1: All right. Good stuff, Marty. Uh, Thanks.
5: All right. Bye
1: bye. Always good to hear from you, Marty, down at Pinehurst, North Carolina. Today is October the ninth. You know what happened October the ninth, nineteen sixty
2: nine. No, tell me.
1: Cardinals fired Harry Carey. <laughs> oh
2: boy! Well, that shocked he, the world. That's what he got for fooling around. That's
1: that's right. That's they
2: caught him leaving the hospital. They they caught him walking across the street where he shouldn't have been. Nineteen sixty nine,
1: October ninth. On this day in history. High school football last night, Champaign Centennial wins over Peoria Manual, 48-6. Peoria High beat Champaign Central, 60-6, to scoring 52 in the first half. Normal West over Danville, 28-14. to Maybe the game of the night involved the Monticello Sages, who led 15 to nothing going into the fourth quarter and lost by one. Can't win them all. Can't win them all. You're right,
2: but two uh, two-point conversions. Huh? Con-
1: congratulations to uh, Paxton Buckley Lota. The Panthers scored uh, 16 points in the fourth quarter in a matter of two and a half minutes or so of uh, game time there to win over Monticello, 16 to 15. Other games: Tri Valley 35, Gibson City Melvin Sibley 8, Prairie Central 28 over Olympia, nothing. St. Joe Ogden wins again, 34 to 14 at Pontiac. Unity is rolling 49 to nothing. The final at Rantoul. Arcola beat uh, Cerro Gordo Bement uh, 36 26. Arthur Lovington at Hammond beat Sangamon Valley 61 to 38. Villagrove, 55, Tri County 6. Iroquois West over Clifton Central 13 to 6. Mohamed Seymour having a good season. There they are. 54 points last night in beating Peoria Richwoods. 54 to 28, check out the News Gazette today for action uh, on those games and others, all the scores and particulars about a busy night, week seven of high school football in the state of Illinois and across the state. We, You and I haven't talked about this on the air since it uh, occurred earlier this week, but I was certainly saddened when, uh, was that Monday morning you woke me up with a, a text, a um, I, you didn't wake me up. I was up. You but you get up before I do. I, I do. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I was up early, but the text of the passing of Jim Nagy or uh, Dick Nagy that uh, that made me sad. Although we kind
2: of knew it was coming. Yeah, Dick was uh, he had been ill, but you go back to the, all those years that uh, you know when he came here in '79 with Lou, joined Lou. Lou had been here several years, and and I and he came on and and. Uh, he was a big force on that, on that, uh, among that staff. Force is a good word. For, yeah, he was an enforcer. He, yeah. he, was, he was a really good, he was a strong guy, and he knew what he was doing. He had been a, a very successful uh, junior college coach and um, head, uh, head coach. And mm-hmm. the interesting thing, I mean, I, I said this before that most people don't get, I, I, he was with Lou at the beginning, but he never was at New Mexico State. Right. He never played, never coached there. But he came to Harden Simmons, and a fellow by the name of Murphy, who was a good friend of Lou, knew about him in Syracuse. This guy was out of high school three years. He's playing independent ball. And Lou asked Murphy if he knew any place. He said, There's a guy playing independent ball down there in Syracuse that might be willing to go to school. And sure enough, Dick came to, to Harden Simmons and was the captain of the team, and, and later coached at Harden Simmons as an assistant before he became a head coach at, uh, at Barton County. So, yeah, he uh, he was a, he was a great guy, and he, he ran the summer camps for Lou, and he, he was just a and he was a good recruiter. He he didn't have the reputation that Jimmy Collin, well, the, first of all, uh, Tony Yates, right? And then uh, Tony uh, stayed was with Lou for several years before he got the head job at Cincinnati, and um, he he brought he was very active in the junior college market. And um, he he brought in a number of uh, players that Mark Coombs. Uh, I talked to Mark yesterday. And he he rattled, he rattled off maybe fifteen or twenty guys that, that he was the primary recruiter for uh, during those years. And so it's true that maybe uh, you know maybe Jimmy Collins was a key in certain Chicago situations, but there were there were a lot of other situations too that that uh, Dick was in, in responsible for.
1: So our thoughts have gone out all week to uh, the Dick Nagy family, which includes, of course, uh, his son, Scott, who's the head coach at Wright State. Uh, certainly a guy that uh, will be missed. And uh, that, uh, that coaching staff has taken a hit in the last uh, 15 months or so.
2: Yeah, everybody's gone except Mark. Yep.
1: 959, News Talk 1400, and 93.9 <coughs> 93. FM, WDWS. We'll take uh, our break here at the top of the hour and be back with more. Stay tuned, more basketball conversation as well. Back after this.
0: It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly.
1: And the telephone line is open, 217-356-9397. We're with you until 11 o'clock. And we're both uh, back with you in some form or another on our pregame football coverage, which begins right here at uh, 1230 this afternoon, Illinois and Wisconsin. In the homecoming game, the 111th homecoming game on the campus, of the university of illinois we're going to talk some more illinois basketball that uh, practice is going on right now at the state farm center we had jeremy werner on for a few minutes uh, in the first hour we found somebody else who is uh, killing some time over there before the uh, football game kedrick prince is with us from the quad city times good morning ken how are you
11: good morning how are you guys thanks for having
1: me what are you seeing over there so far
11: Oh my gosh, I don't know, I don't know what Jeremy said because I was watching the practice, but I'll be honest with you, this is amazing. This is I I, I would go on a limb and you know and I heard uh, uh, Andre Cabello say that they're better than last year. I'd have to agree. They're deep, they can shoot it, and some of the improvement with two or three of these kids is remarkable. I mean, this is going to be another special season if they stay healthy and things go by, This could be a really special season for Illinois this year.
1: Sounds like you had some orange Kool Aid for breakfast.
11: I tell you what, I know. I, I knew people were gonna say that, but I'm sitting here talking to one of the parents, and he said the same thing. one of the dads that was on the team made the comment to me: "This is a deeper team, and they sh- they shoot it much better." You know, i obviously is a difference maker, but just the the play of Cabello alone has changed the whole dynamics of this team. He's good himself, and he makes players better, and his shot is so much better now than it was before.
2: Okay, uh, I catch you. I'm going to be unfair to you, okay? You ready? Let's hit it. Tell me something negative about this team. They can't be perfect. I mean, are they better than Gonzaga?
11: Here's what, here's my two negative, my concerns. Okay. I don't know how much better Kofi is a free-throw shooter, and I don't know, as good as Omar is and the way he's been hyped, he's probably worse free-throw shooter than Kofi. <laughs> I don't think people will find. I mean, he really is. Uh, that was the bill coming in, and fans are going to find that out. But just from an offensive and defensive standpoint, the way they pass the ball and run the floor, and this is no lie. I cannot wait for the fans to watch Alfonso Palmer shoot the basketball. This kid is like – one dad just said to me, for old school guys that's been around, this is a, a, a Benny Microwave guy from the play for the pits a long time ago. This kid can shoot it. I mean, he really is – I mean I know they lost Adam Miller but this is a nice compliment to have for them a good pick up from coach Underwood Alfonso Palmer is going to be a, he's going to score some points for them
2: So the, so the strategy of the opponent is to hang close and then foul the big guys at the end of the game is that it <laughs>
11: I'll tell you what, yeah, because one of them has to play, <laughs> to be honest with you, but that's probably, you know, and there's going to be some flaws, don't get me wrong, there'll be nights when they don't shoot it well, but the depth is, is what I like, and as far as the freshmen, I wasn't sure which one, but the one that's been the most impressive today is Luke Goody, and, you know, I knew coming in, people said he was he was a former quarterback, so physically he's a little bit more ready than some of the other, other freshmen right now, but I don't know. Coach Underwood's got a tough decision to make. There's a lot of kids out here, and I don't know how he's going to play them all.
1: Talking to Kedrick Prince, uh, tell me about Austin Hutcherson. A lot of people want to know what uh, he looks like. We haven't seen him because of those injuries in the last couple of years, and I realize this is just one half of one practice, but I'm sure you're kind of keeping an eye on him as well.
11: Yeah, so he was a guy that I kind of look you know, forward to seeing playing this year. His role is going to be really, really unique because I think right now – if they were to play today, he would be – I'm not saying he's going to start because nobody knows it except for a couple kids. He is definitely Andre Cabello's backup. Uh, I spoke to his this morning, and the key is for him is to stay happy. Uh, he looks really, really good, but I think he's a little nervous. You could tell. I talked to him at media day last week, and he said, you know, he hasn't played in a while. He's, just, you know, don't want to get hurt, but I know that's the back of his mind. I heard Coach Underwood telling him today, just play the game. So, But I think from a talent standpoint, it's definitely there with him. Well,
2: well Kendrick, you said that he'd be uh, Corbello's backup. Do you, don't you think Frazier will swing to the point when uh, Corbello comes out?
11: That's that's what, we, that's what we all thought as fans and media guys. But to be honest with you, I've heard that before I got here today. And I, I'm actually watching it right now. So I know Coach Underwood said that because at some point in time, and I don't know if you guys heard this or not, but he's going to go really big at one One or two of these games, Hutchinson's going to be at the point. Luke Goody may be at the two. And then you're going to have Coleman Hawkins and Omar Payne and Kofi in the lineup at the same time just to show people how big he is. This is a very, very versatile group. It's a talented group, I have to be honest with you. Coach Underwood and the staff, they've done a tremendous job putting together a good group of kids and finding the right pieces.
1: Well, fans always want to know who the starters are, even though it really doesn't matter. And as Lauren and I talked it's about who finishes, and uh, we've all seen how quickly Brad Underwood likes to rotate uh, the new line in, so to speak. But if they were playing a game today, who, who do you think would be in that lineup?
11: To me, be Carbello, Trent I would go Coleman Hawkins um, at the three, and Kofi, and uh, Cabello. That's the lineup that I like Hutchinson may get the nod over Hawkins because he's proven. You know he's a senior, and Coleman's just going to be a freshman. And considering what happened with COVID, but I think those two may battle a lot. But there's a good chance that Hutchinson may crack the lineup too. This and talk about him cracking it because he brings something to the world. As basketball. The sixties guy, they can stand and pass. DeMonte can shoot it, but he's not six six. So there's a chance that those six may be. It depends on which one coach wants to start or who wins that job between Hawkins and Granite.
1: Another name that uh, gets mentioned but hasn't been mentioned lately is Benjamin Bozeman's Verdonk, a guy that uh, actually is uh, listed as a sophomore, but he's about ready to graduate. (laughs) 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 But uh, uh, We haven't seen much of him. Have you had a chance to get your eyeballs on him during uh, the practice?
11: I have. I've watched him just because I, you know, because of what you just said to see what he is, and I think you know what I think he's going to do for them as Kofi gets in he's in foul trouble and Omar struggles or vice versa. I think he may be able to come in and spell them for a couple minutes at some point in time, but I just don't know if he's going to crack that rotation because I don't want to say he's behind, but he's just not on par, I guess, with the other kids. And <laughs> you know, considering how old he is, you know, you would think so, but. I just don't – I think he's still – as old as he is, I just don't know if he's going to be good enough to crack that lineup.
1: Okay, let's talk recruiting. What uh, What's out there? What's coming up? Uh, how are you seeing things going right now?
11: Well, right now there's two kids here, DeVaris Lowry from Kenwood and JJ Taylor, the ones that I've seen here today so far. Um, I can tell you this, for the fans who don't – I mean, COVID really hurt the high school tournament last year. But fans remember this name, J.J. Taylor this guy it probably i mean he's a junior he's the best player in the state of illinois and i've talked to Derek piper and i've talked to brad sturdy and we've all chatted and tell you this kid is the next part kevin garnett wherever he goes to school it's going to be done and the good thing about today he pursued the visit he asked to come out here usually coaches reach out to kids and to and to uh the parents this kid wanted to come down to visit to check out illinois himself so He's a one-and-done kid wherever he goes. And I was told Illinois and, imagine this, Kentucky are the two schools that are pursuing him the hardest. So, you know, you know the former coaches at Illinois with Chin Coleman and Orlando and, you know, him being from the home state. So it should be a very interesting recruitment.
1: You were, your phone was cutting out just a bit to identify that player uh, again.
11: Oh, his, his name is J.J. Taylor. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's he's from, from where? Kenwood, Kenwood okay. Academy. Gotcha. I'm sorry I'm in the basement guys I'm sorry No problem no mm-hmm.
1: problem just uh right when you said his name it just jumped out a little bit but uh so that those are a couple of names and of course they feel good about the guys they've got committed and uh how far out are they going now to to get to get offers out there I I think they've probably made an offer or two to a kid that hadn't played a high school game yet haven't they
11: <laughs> Yes Jimmy Fizz's brother he is a Jeremy Beers is a 2023 uh, recruit that loves Illinois. Uh, He's been down here a couple times, but he has a younger brother. Believe it or not, Coach Underwood and Coach Alexander watched him play as an eighth grader, and they offered him two weeks ago, so he's just going to be a freshman. But he is outstanding, and his dad, believe it or not, played at uh, Ohio. Um, So there's basketball in their blood, and I guess there's a younger one who's in sixth grade, according to dad he's better than both of his older brothers. So, <laughs> if Illinois, I mean, if Illinois can lock this fierce kid up, which who loves Illinois, that would be a good situation for them, especially for the rest of the family.
1: And you're in town. You're going to watch uh, the football game, too. What are, you, what are you looking for this afternoon?
11: Well, I want to see more points than field goals. I think Illinois is going to have a hard time scoring against their defense. I know uh, both teams like to stop the run and both teams like to run. Brandon Peters has to step up today. He has to make plays today. Um, and obviously the coaches feel most the most confident with him, but he has to make plays down the field, not just go. They have to convert plays. Otherwise, it's going to be tough to score against them. I mean, I don't want to predict the score, but if they can't throw the ball today, it's going to be a long day for Illinois.
2: Well, here's, here's the good news. Anytime you go out for a pass, you ought to have a step on your defender. I mean, the pass is, is always a possibility, even against a really good defensive team. They've simply got to complete some passes. If they can do that, it'll be a ball game. If they can't, if, if we continue the way it's been in, in recent games, then Illinois is going to lose. That, that's, that's the way it is. They've got to complete some passes.
11: They haven't done that. And the thing is, you know, uh, during Coach Brett Bielema's press conference last week, he made the comment, it's okay to throw the ball down the field, but they need to convert them. Don't just throw it down the field to be throwing it. You have to convert some of those. If you throw the ball, even if it's over the middle, the slant routes, Casey Washington has good hands, throw the ball over the middle to him, and I'd like to see Isaiah get out there you know, on the perimeter, throw the ball to him, go one-on-one to be the guy. I've not seen that yet. I don't know if it's the play calling or if it's they don't have confidence in their receivers, but, but if they think they're just going to line up and go toe-to-toe and out-physicalize not Wisconsin today, it's going to be a long day.
2: You know, that's been one of the disappointing things, Steve and, and Kedrick, about this season is that... I thought that Isaiah would break some plays, like big plays. What we're seeing is some catches, but no, no breakaways and no chance to get out and and you know, deke a defender and and run for a touchdown. We don't, we're not seeing that. In fact, we're not seeing that from anybody on the receiving core right now. And the other well, thing, the other thing they got to be watchful for is the guy coming out of the backfield because that guy has been open a lot this season. The the, the the running back coming out of the backfield as a receiver?
11: Well, that's the thing is I think, you know, and the coaches are going to give us coach speak, but I think they know. Brandon Peters has missed a lot of guys, whether it be the backfield, he doesn't check off very well, and I know they've worked on that. He has to work on that. But also, I think a lot of it is because, you know, he doesn't want, he's doesn't he been hit a few times. He doesn't want to be injured. So it could be a number of reasons, but even just the little short-lock passes that he misses. And when the defense knows what's coming, it's easy to defend them. But they have to throw it, you're right, somebody to stretch the defense. I think they have great tight ends. Some games they use them, and some games they don't. I just know the offense has to open up. It's college football. You're not going to win college football games in today's world scoring 20 points a game. It's just not going to happen.
1: Kendrick Times with the Quad City Times. Kendrick Prince with the Quad City Times. We'll ask you an Iowa question. You're over there yeah, near Iowa. How do you uh, look at that ball game this afternoon uh, between uh, the Hawkeyes and Penn State?
11: i tell you, well, Iowa's tough. They are just, they are what Illinois State is looking to be. They're just physically tough. I, I expect Iowa to win, even if it was at Penn State. Iowa just, they tackle well. They don't make mistakes. They do things the right way. They don't try to do things that they can't do. I just, I like Iowa because I think they've been there before. Kirk Ferentz is not going to be rattled. I think the home court does put a little bit of factor into it, and I don't want to contradict myself, but I just, I was just telling I mean, right now on paper, they're probably the best team in the Big Ten.
1: Kedrick, we appreciate your time. We'll let you get back to watching what's left of that uh, open practice over at the State Farm Center. Thanks, and uh, we'll see you later on.
11: Thanks, guys, for having me. Take you, care. Thank you. you. bet.
1: Kedrick Prince from the Quad City Times also does some work for dot 10 ten fifteen. And if you've had any thoughts uh, lately about uh, replacing the windows and doors at your place, how about a trip to the Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Mike Mary and the folks out there at Illini Pella have been assisting homeowners and businesses for a long time in central Illinois, and they do things the right way. As you may know, if you've done this or even thought about it, there are a lot of things to consider when replacing windows and doors, obviously security, comfort, convenience. Well, the Pella Window Store has many examples of all their products on the showroom floor in several styles and price ranges from entry doors to sliding patio doors, hinged patio doors, storm doors, all kinds of different uh, windows in there as well. And if you don't see what you're looking for, ask them uh, about their website. You can go there to check out things as well at PellaOfChampagne.com. The showroom is open Monday through Friday at 1001 North Country Fair Drive. Saturday by appointment. Again, their website is pellaofchampaign.com, and look for Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window Store in Champaign. We'll take a time out. Be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Moving up on 1020 Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you until 11 o'clock on the pregame coverage as well coming up at 1230 this afternoon. Illinois and the Wisconsin Badgers in the homecoming game. Speaking of Wisconsin athletics, Illinois volleyball team on the road against uh, the number four ranked Badgers again for the second time in a week.
2: That's on the Big Ten Network tonight.
1: It is at seven o'clock. And speaking of Another Badger team that was in town, soccer, and the Badgers played 110 minutes last night and uh, came away one-to-one.
2: That's the problem with soccer, and that's the problem with Cardinal baseball games. Sometimes you just go on and on and on. All all baseball games.
1: No doubt. But by the way, we had a a texter uh, when we were talking about the Cardinals and Gallegos and why he didn't stay in. I kind of remember this now a little bit. He was having trouble with his that's fingernails. That is true.
2: Yeah, I'd forgotten that. Maybe yes.
1: they weren't digging into the ball the way that no. <laughs> he normally wants it to. But uh, my
2: problem is that every time he's in there for one inning, I want him in another. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> because he's so good. And uh, I, you know, I'd rather throw the guy that's really good. And and I, I, like you, I don't care about. We got six months till the next game. Right. <laughs> you know. When you lose, you're done. So well,
1: like you said, and I think before we went on the air, they had Lester and Hap both not eligible for this game, so they yep. were setting them up to yep. be in the rotation for a, a five-game series if they Absolutely. got there. So that tells me everybody else is available. Yeah. And
2: you get in a game like that, you just got to throw the best you've got for as quick as you, you know, because it's all over in such a hurry. I I kind of feel sorry for Reyes. he, he, he was. He was walking on the edge the whole first half of the season and getting by with it. Mm-hmm. He made the All Star team. And, and yeah, made the All Star. And, and I don't. I, he had over twenty consecutive uh, solid saves. Yeah. Well, then he. You, when you keep walking, guys, you if you put the first guy on in the inning, sooner or later they're going to catch up to you. You yeah. just can't get away with that. And 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 it was walks were the problem with the Cardinals during the portion of the season when they weren't doing well. They just gave up too many walks, and particularly walks with the bases loaded. And the guys were just afraid to throw the ball over with the bases loaded, apparently. Yeah, Wayno got into that in that game, but he got out of it. Mm-hmm.
1: He had the bases loaded and yeah. went 3-2 and two on the batter and then got out of it with a mm-hmm. double play. But uh,
2: Yeah, that's pretty lucky. He broke a bat and the yeah. ball just bounced. I scared that ball was going to hit the base. Did you see how close it came? I did. Went right over the top of the second base and then turned into a double play.
1: Those baseball scores, if you missed them from yesterday and last night, Houston, nine, Chicago White Sox, four. The Astros lead that uh, best of five series two games to none, with it uh, coming to Chicago uh, tomorrow. Milwaukee beat Atlanta, two to one, so uh, the Brewers lead the Braves, one to nothing in that series. Boston evened its series up against Tampa Bay, 14 to six last night, and the Giants, late last night, beat the Dodgers, four to nothing, so the Giants have the uh, one game lead there I don't know the the Giants kind of quietly at least quietly the folks in the Midwest because we're not up late most of us watching baseball but man they've got a good
2: team (laughs) they really do and Posey walks up and hits a home run boom you know and then they got Bryant hitting a home run late and obviously uh, they outplayed the Dodgers and they outplayed them again
1: they seem to get this October thing don't they they sure do the Giants yeah, And the Dodgers aren't done yet, but uh, they didn't exactly hit the cover off the ball against the Cardinals in that one-game playoff until till the end there. The, the Neither team was. As you said, you, you, we were talking in our production meeting before the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you put it very well when you said that game was available to well, the Cardinals to win, and it the, was. The thing
2: that made it available was the fact that the guy was so scared of for the last month Uh wasn't that effective i mean they were getting good swings mm-hmm. the cardinals were getting good swings and they they just couldn't get that one key hit and they and they had some situations where you know here uh, Yachty comes up and just rifles the ball through the middle and it's an out right. or they or sosa comes up and just drills one to left field and the left fielder catches it below his knees that happens in a baseball game they don't even out in one game the averages do not even out in one game they never do
1: and when you go 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position, with oh. most of that in the two, three, and four slots,
2: are you sure that's right? I thought they were 0 for 11.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it just felt like a, <laughs> 0 for 12 well, for a you, Cardinal fan. You know, it might I, be 0. I 11. just
2: thought the moment, and I I said this to you in a text, but I thought the moment was too big for the Cardinals, in terms of the of the the hitters, particularly the three outfielders the three young outfielders swinging at some pitches, not so much Carlson, but the other two were swinging at balls that you can't hit. If you can't reach it, you can't hit it. And I'm with you. I felt bad for
1: Reyes, uh, number one, being put in that situation. And then did you happen to watch him when he threw the pitch? He didn't even look at it. He He started walking to the dugout.
2: He started walking. He didn't even see the ball land, did he? Nope.
1: Nope. And he wants to be a starter, but that's fine. Maybe that's where his calling is, but you still got to throw the ball over the plate. And if you throw a, a slider that doesn't slide, <laughs> those guys can hit that.
2: See, now, how do you treat this for next season? Good question. He wants to be a starter. and um, So does Jordan Hicks. I can't believe that. But, okay, let's give him a shot. But let's see what happens. They've got a – there's a – any number of possibilities for their starting rotation. I'd say they got eight or nine possibilities because is coming out of the minors. You got um, the possibility of, of Miklas. Of course is going to be back. You got Hudson. You got Flaherty. You know, yeah, I mean it's just the the. the I think the, the Happ and Lester have to be considered. I mean, can, maybe they won't be, but you have to consider them, right? And the Cubs will be making uh,
1: obviously some changes. They got rid of a couple of coaches this oh, week. Oh
2: well, the Cubs, Cubs got to decide what, what they're going to. Are they going to go for it next year? or Are they going to wait? I mean, they've got to. They've got to completely uh, remake their whole ball club, their and pitching they, staff, yeah, and, and their,
1: who are they going to build around? Are they, are they going to go with Contreras to, to be that guy?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he'll be the catcher. Yeah, but I, I just don't know. Uh, half of their lineup is, I think as yet not with the team. <laughs> I'd say at least four, they, they've got to get at least four guys out of off free agency for some of those positions.
1: When I f- heard our friend Kent Brown, who's a, as avid a Cubs fan as there is, say he had to look some of these guys up to <laughs> see who, well, right. they, they, who they were. He just didn't know who they were. They were playing the last they were week.
2: Just checking out guys at the yeah. end of the year and next year, You know, I think they'll have Ortega in center field and I think they'll have Wisdom at third and I think the first base position is pretty well settled. But I, I think sec, there a couple of outfield positions and maybe in the middle infield, they're, they're going to be – they might they might be in the free mar- – I just don't know how much money they have. Right. That's what it comes down to. Yep. Because the shortstops we talk about are not going to be cheap.
1: Right. 10-27 is the time. We'll take a break here at the bottom of the hour. We've got 30 minutes left. We're going to talk some more Big Ten basketball when we come back. We'll keep the phone line open as well if you'd like to join us. On Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Busy day here with Illinois Athletics. That game actually will kick at 240 and maybe 245. It depends on, they call that a five-minute slide. It's the second BTN game of the day. So uh, depending on how things go in that Michigan State-Rutgers game, but uh, it will not kick before 240. So we'll see how that goes this afternoon, Illinois and Wisconsin in the homecoming game at Memorial Stadium. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you. Um, we're here for another 28 or 9 minutes. 217-356-9397 is our phone number on I Palace Saturday Sports Talk. A friend in Indianapolis, Jeff Rabjohns, joins us on the telephone. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Good
12: morning, gentlemen. Terrific. How are you?
1: Good. want to talk some... Uh, Big Ten basketball, Big Ten basketball media days uh, occurred at Indianapolis on uh, Thursday and Friday. I'm guessing you were around there, and what did you learn through all that?
8: Yeah, I was there. Uh, very
12: fortunate. It was it was kind of a home game for me since I had the few <laughs> days here in Indianapolis, uh, just drive down the street. So, um, uh, obviously, this is the time of year where there's a lot of uh, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of optimism. Um, you know, nobody's lost a game yet. Everybody feels good about their squads. Um, and um, I think one of the things that was interesting was, you know, you look at the teams at the top, and I think everybody would agree, most people would agree, you're probably talking uh, Michigan and Purdue battling out, Ohio State, Illinois, probably right there as well. Um, but it was interesting talking with Matt Painter about his squad and how he's going to play. Um, and he may not play as big as some thought he was going to play. He Actually, they have five players on their team who were centers in high school, defensively at least, meaning they guarded, the person they guarded was the other team's center. And a lot of people thought he may play you know, multiple bigs together. Um, and he said yesterday he doesn't know if that's going to work or not uh, because of concerns on the other end. Uh, whichever big is essentially playing the, the, the forward spot, the four spot, can they go out on the floor and chase somebody else's for and he said he's not too sure that, that, that that's you know possible so it was kind of interesting that you know you have a lot of talent on that Purdue team obviously uh you know Travion Williams, Zach Eady, Caleb First, um and guys like that and it, it may be different uh maybe different than you know how they play it might be a little different than than anticipated so I thought that was kind of interesting um obviously uh you know Hunter Dickinson certainly made made uh, a little noise. Um, I think it was Thursday. Um, he kind of took a shot at Illini fans. Not too sure really why, but he did it. Um, and uh, But I think uh, the, the biggest thing is I think there's, there's going to be – I think the talent is pretty good. Um, I, I think you've got um, at least probably six, maybe seven teams uh, that are going to make the NCAA tournament this year. It may not have as much – Talent at spots, you know, four, five, six, seven, as a few years back, uh, but I do think it's it's still going to be a pretty strong league again.
2: Jeff, I I, I look for Wisconsin and Iowa to, to tumble a little bit, maybe Rutgers too. Do you get that idea from hearing from their coaches? You don't get that idea.
12: Well, I mean, coaches by nature are optimistic, and I think certainly during during the media day, you know, they're they're, uh, they're trying to sell the optimism, trying to sell the hope, you know. And uh, and they haven't lost a game yet, but I do agree with you, Lauren. I think I think Iowa takes several steps back. Um, you know, you lose a national player of the year candidate. Um, you lose, a, you know, a guy who can really shoot the ball from the perimeter uh, on on a transfer to Kentucky. Um, I think I think that's I think it's inevitable. You take several steps back, um, and then Wisconsin. I just think. They just do not have the depth that they've had in the past. So, yeah, I think those are three programs that I think definitely uh, take several steps back this year. Um, we'll see if you know Penn State. I think some people are looking at as somebody who maybe kind of moves up a couple of notches. Um, certainly with Mike Shrewsbury, they have a really talented offensive coach. You know, he was he was essentially the offensive coordinator uh, for Purdue under Matt Painter, if you will. Um, and I think everybody knows, you know, he. He learned under Brad Stevens, with Brad Stevens out of the Celtics. So I, th- I think there's going to be you know some pretty solid offensive coaching up at Penn State. Um, so I, th- I think they have a chance to take take several steps forward this year.
2: What about the Hoosiers?
12: I think they're going to be better. I think they're going to be an NCAA tournament team. Um, they just have more talent. Uh, they brought in Xavier Johnson, who, who started a point guard at Pittsburgh. I think that will upgrade the point guard position. Uh, They added Miller Kopp, who averaged trying to run 13 points per game at Northwestern. Uh, He's going to add some perimeter shooting to the team. Um, Trace Jackson Davis is better. You know, he was very good last year. He was the only guy in the country at a Power 5 program to average at least 19 points and nine rebounds. But he was 100% one-dimensional as far as he was left-handed. And now they're making him work on his right hand. They're making him add some shooting to his game. Uh, So he's going to be better. Uh, And they also have some – some freshmen uh, on the team that are going to matter certainly Tamar Bates, uh, six foot five guard who who's a five star kid uh, coming out of IMG Academy in Florida. They're going to be you know he, he's he's going to be a guy who can add firepower, uh, can score at all three levels. I don't think he's going to put up big numbers, but he's going to go out there and help help Indiana with points. And then Mike Woodson uh, just brings a whole nother level as, as a coach. You know he spent more than two decades as an NBA coach understands how to run a host of offenses. Um, we got a chance to go down to the Bahamas and, and watch them play two full games. and uh, They beat a European pro team twice, beat them by double figures both times. And the offense was so much better, Lauren. You know, last year, Indiana um, consistently had scoring droughts of, yeah. you know, four, five, six minutes. Uh, there were a few games that had scoring. They, they went more than seven minutes not I get a basket. There were no long scoring droughts down in the Bahamas. Um Playing the four four or four out one in concept, uh, the ball moved, players moved, uh, players have freedom. Uh, the primary ball handler can call for a ball screen. Not call, call for a ball screen. If you don't call for a ball screen, it's drive it or pass it. Don't stand there and just dribble the ball. So I think uh, Mike Woodson's stuff coming from the NBA is just it's it's so much better. The, the offense is going to be much much better. I don't know if they're going to be. I don't know. If, I've always been intrigued to see how much of NBA stuff can college kids run? Um, because the, the, the NBA stuff is just it's far more sophisticated. There's far more options and things like that. Sometimes you get college kids who can run it. Sometimes you get college kids who can run two-thirds of it, sometimes half of it. So it'll be interesting to see as the season moves on how much of the NBA-type offense uh, can the college kids at Indiana run. But right now, uh, Mike Woodson's idea is we're going to throw a lot at them and we're going to push them, and we're going to see how much they can do. And watching them play in the Bahamas, uh, it certainly looks a lot better than the last few years.
1: Talking to Jeff Rabjohns, do you think Michigan is being a bit overvalued going into this as uh, as the Big Ten? Not that they're not one of the favorites, I get that, but they lost a lot of people, and I know they've got some some outstanding people coming in as well. I think
2: they lost four out of their top six. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
12: Um, you know, I guess a little bit, but I still look at the, you know, just overall talent. Um, and you look at, okay, you know, does the coach there have a track, whoever the coach is, does does he have a track record of really being able to blend talent, being able to do something with it? And does he have the track record of being able to do something with some freshmen? Um, and I look at what Jawan Howard did last year, and I say, you know, yeah, I, I think he's I think he's going to be able to do do pretty well. Um, and then, you know, you look at uh, Mosadia Diabete, the the 6'10 power forward um, who's coming in. You know, he's a top 15 player in the country last year. He, he's going to help. Um, you know, you, you, and then you look at, obviously, Caleb Houston from Montverde Academy down there in the Florida. Just an absolutely tremendous, versatile 6'8 forward. I mean, Caleb Houston is about what you draw up. Uh, for a modern forward, uh, he was a national top ten player. So there's an incredible amount of talent there, and you are talking about you know young guys. Um, so you know there's you know there's going to be a learning curve there. Um, and but then you also you know Kobe Bufkin, Frankie Collins, uh, the two guards who are freshmen. You know those guys both were national top fifty players. So you're talking about you know two national top fifteen players and four national top fifty players who are coming in. That's a high-level infusion of talent. So I think the talent – don't know how good Michigan's going to be right out of the gate, but I do think by the time January comes, I think they're going to be a legit contender for the Big Ten title.
2: Okay, Jeff, I'm going to swing you over to football real quick. And, and I'm going to tell – you. correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the build-up for football at Indiana this year was the greatest maybe since Johnny Pont. I mean, it's just uh, everybody was talking about Indiana winning – Games and beating Cincinnati and, and you know winning key games and it didn't happen. What uh, how would you ex- analyze what you saw?
12: Sure, sure. Um, I think the hype got too far ahead of reality. Uh, and I even wrote that because the beginning of the year, I, I had my prediction was seven and five, um, and, and I got yelled at by everybody for saying seven and five. They, they, uh, Robbie, they went to bed January bowl games, back-to-back years. They're going to win eight, nine, maybe ten games. <laughs> and I said, guys, they're a really good team. It's a good roster. But you got to look at the schedule. You know, they're starting at Iowa, which was going to be top ten. They have to play against Cincinnati, top ten. They've got to go on the road to Penn State, top ten. All three of those actually are in the top five right now, but I don't think anybody had them top five going into the year. But I think a lot of people ignore the schedule. And, and when you look at the schedule, I think you know reality sets in a little bit there. The other thing is, you know, Indiana did a really good job last year of pulling some upsets. But the upsets were pretty much due to two things. One, special quarterback play. Yep. You know, Michael Penix's fourth quarter against Penn State, other example. There was special quarterback play. The other key factor was getting takeaways. You know, Indiana was among the nation's leaders in takeovers generated and in turnover margin. And when you look at college football, when you see upsets, oftentimes one of those two things or both of them are big factors in upsets. Absolutely. Well, Indiana got both of them last year. They got both of them last year in a number of games. Well, the quarterback play this year, you know, it hasn't been great. You know, Michael Penix has struggled. And and obviously he was, and uh, he, he's injured again, you know. Um, he's, he's, he's out for a while with, with a shoulder injury, but last, but the start of the year, he had had a sternoclavicle injury, um, and he'd had two ACL injuries. And I think sometimes when people hear he's cleared to play regardless, regardless who it's about, when they just hear the phrase he's cleared to play, I think sometimes people think, oh, he's going to be as good as he was. And that's not necessarily the case. It just means medically he's allowed to play his sport. And, uh, you know, Penix just wasn't himself. He just wasn't really ever himself. He made a few throws here and there that you went, hey, that's Michael Penix. But for the most part, he wasn't. And IU hasn't been able to, to generate the turnovers that they've been able to or they were able to last year. So when you add up those three things, not getting special quarterback play, not really dominating the turnover game, and, you know, you factor in the schedule, I think that's what you're seeing, you know, with Indiana and its record right now and um, kind of where they're at as far as, you know, the Big Ten goes and everything.
1: Hey, Jeff, good stuff. We appreciate your time, as always. Good to connect with you. Have you got a little bit of a weekend off with Indiana having the bye week? Uh,
12: a little bit of one, a little bit of one. There's, uh, there's actually, a, as crazy as this is going to sound to, to normal people, there's, there's, there's a couple basketball events uh, <laughs> here in the Indy area on Sunday, so... I'm uh, going to slip out and then go watch a little basketball on Sunday.
2: Well, thanks for your time. Always good to connect with you. Thanks. Hey, Jeff, thanks a lot. You mean you got basketball in Indiana already? <laughs> <laughs>
12: You're shocked by that. I know. shocking. Uh, hey, enjoy it. Lauren, you take care of yourself, brother. See, see, see you soon.
1: That's Jeff Rabjohns from Indianapolis. He works for the uh, 247 Sports uh, Network, Pigs.com. we'll take a break and have an open line the rest of the way if you'd like to join us here on DWS. And it is 10.47, 217-356-9397 is the phone number if you would like to jump in. I'm told back in our baseball coverage there that the Cubs have $150 million roughly to spend.
2: Yeah. If they would spend it, the problem yeah. being that during the pandemic, uh, and this is true of all teams, this is not just the Cubs. It just because you have saved that much money doesn't mean you can spend that much money. If you see how far the income has fallen in the last two years, and it fell dramatically a year ago, and it also didn't reach the original heights this year, anywhere. I don't. I mean, I shouldn't say anywhere, but uh, not not with the Cubs and not with the Cardinals. They didn't make near as much money as they used to make, so we don't know how far they're, they're willing to go, uh, either one of them, but I'm sure the Cubs will make some key moves, but I think they will.
1: Back to uh, college football, Big Ten football, in this particular uh, weekend. Four Big Ten teams have the bye week, but there's some good games on the schedule, highlighted by the uh, Penn State-Iowa game at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Let's talk a little more about the... Illinois-Wisconsin game, Brett Bielma sitting on 99 career wins. It'd be nice if, to get number 100 against his old school, no doubt.
2: Well, I think, I think we both, you know, we have a one-track mind on this and the fact that we know it's going to be so hard to run the football. And my question would then be, uh, can Illinois make enough yardage or be enough of a threat on the ground? to be able to make their play action passes work because they're going to try to run uh, just like they always do and it Wisconsin's going to be prepared for that. They're going to they're going to do everything in their power to stop Bill and and they've been very successful at doing that with everybody they played. Everybody. Nobody's gained on them.
1: Yeah, and they've certainly noticed Chase Brown and and Josh McRae. McRae might be a little more effective in this kind of game, well, perhaps. But the, the fact remains that Wisconsin's in a giving game
2: without a hole. I mean they gotta make some room.
1: They're giving up an average of one point seven <laughs> yards per carry. That's unbelievable. That's forty five yards a game. So the
2: thing the thing that I wanna see personally, a course a victory, that's what everybody thinks. I don't think in those terms because I my concern is that can Illinois develop, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, the kind of physicality on the field defensively to make all these games close, all the games close, because if you're good defensively, it's going to be a close game.
1: And Illinois is getting better defensively.
2: Well, so far, yeah. But we we can't make a judgment about Charlotte, and and you know, and, and the Purdue game. Yes, uh, Illinois played good defense against Purdue and didn't give up a touchdown until the. The final end of the game, but
1: they're still giving up an average of 417 yards a game, but but yep. that's coming down. <laughs> they're, yep. they're they're 12th in the Big Ten, and not last, yep. as as they were. But, but if, what the game's going to come down to what it came down to last time. Wisconsin few, turned it over late when, when they yep. threw on third down when you yep. was a third down. I don't know, but it was intercepted. Yeah, when they were. Effective running the ball. And the once, question once was, why would they try to pass there?
2: Everybody could look up and say, oh, boy, just a couple first downs and kick a field goal, and we go home.
1: Yeah, and they've they've got 10 or 11 turnovers this year. They've got eight interceptions, two quarterbacks. have, And the starter, Mertz, has thrown six of them.
2: Yeah. I can't imagine what Mertz's problem is. He looked so good when we saw him.
1: That That whole thing was strange <laughs> I mean that was the game was on a Friday night and you know, you know no fans and we went up and came back the same night and it was, it, he had his best game what, it was the 45
2: to 7 game but Bill in the process right now trying to establish a culture and the culture is physicality and being able to play the way Iowa and Wisconsin play hold the other team down and as you get better, maybe in, we'll have a different quarterback in a year or two. And maybe if you if you have a consistent defense, you can build your offense around uh, some key player. Maybe a transfer. Maybe somebody. You know. Maybe we get some receivers from someplace. I mean, Illinois has got to improve that whole passing game if they're going to be ultimately be successful. But, but what I'm talking about is a an established culture of, of physicality that we can walk up against Wisconsin, go right up against them, and play them hard. Physically. And that's what I'm looking for today.
1: Right. You mentioned Isaiah Williams a little bit earlier on being the big play guy that uh, maybe not being the big play guy you thought he might be. Yeah. His longest play, longest pass reception is 28 yards. Yeah. And he's caught 28 passes. He's averaging 10 yards a catch.
2: They're all short.
1: Yeah. And yeah. He's, guys have been looking for him. He's not been able to to be as elusive as we thought he might be. But maybe there's still time for that. But, but the receiving corps certainly has been a disappointment. And well,
2: yeah, and Hightower and and Dan and some of the guys that transferred in, and we thought were going to be contributors. I think Hightower was our was he not our leading returning mm-hmm. receiver this year, and, and he hadn't even played, hardly.
1: Same with Armstrong from Notre yep. Dame.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what happened there, but I do know that uh, they, they've got to do something to improve the, and and they seem to be. Uh, leaning toward Washington as maybe their best receiver as we go forward, although they've also got a freshman that's pretty good. I, I just, uh, I, I think they're still feeling, they're definitely feeling their way on the, in this passing game. Something is not right, and uh, it may not be right this season in terms of the ability to be a, a prolific passing team. Well, Washington
1: has got 12 balls, uh, his longest Catches 16 yards. He's not, got, not gotten into the end zone yet. Isaiah Williams scored one touchdown, but they, they don't have many passing touchdowns, although Sitkowski has six total, and uh, that's what Illinois has as yep. a team. So ten we'll take one final break, be back with some final words on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. We've got three or four minutes left on this edition of Illinois Pelos Saturday Sports Talk. Illinois and Wisconsin, 240 kick this afternoon at Memorial Stadium. Homecoming game, number 111 in Illinois history. 89th game in this series. And Illinois will get back a couple of key guys defensively in the game today,
2: Lauren. Yeah, I think Jake Hansen's going to be back at linebacker. I don't know if he's going to start, but he probably will. And Witherspoon at cornerback. And I, I've said, I think there's a best two Illini defenders on the team, uh, and having them back will make a difference. I just don't know how much they've practiced this week, but they have been cleared. So they'll be playing, but I don't know how many minutes.
1: Okay, give me a winner in the following games. Okay. Michigan State at Rutgers.
2: I'll take Michigan State.
1: Michigan State is ranked number 11 in the country after not being ranked. Right. not that good. No, they're not. But they're undefeated and better than people thought. Maryland at Ohio State.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the You might
1: box. want to take the over on that whatever it is. I think the over is like 71, the over under.
2: <laughs> I Ohio State will hurt them, I'm sure offensively.
1: Number 4 Penn State
2: at number 3. I'm kind of going to go with Iowa. I don't have a great feeling for it, but I think Iowa's at home and that's a tough place to play and uh, I think they'll be very conservative and 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 play a really tough low scoring game, but We'll see. I'll take Iowa.
1: Week found an offense we didn't know it had, but it was against Northwestern, but they put up 50-some points. They played got to num- go with Michigan. Yeah, they played number nine Michigan in uh, the night game on ABC. Didn't pick any upsets there, did I? No, you didn't, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't know why they just didn't pair up the bye teams and have, <laughs> have them play too. There's four teams not playing today. Huh. But uh, Illinois gets that bye next week. And uh, the Illini go in this afternoon – as an 11-point underdog to the 1-3 Wisconsin Badgers. interesting
2: that it started out at 8.5, then it went to 10, then yep. it went to 11. So the money is coming in from the Wisconsin side. Well,
1: you and I remember very well when Illinois dominated this series. It hadn't been mean, oh, that yeah. long ago. It was yeah, absolutely, until before, Alvarez came along. And even early in Alvarez's uh, tenure, he didn't have good teams to begin with. But despite that uh, homecoming win two years ago, um, over Wisconsin, uh, the Badgers have won nine of the last ten in the series. Yeah. And they've taken a lead by about five games. It hasn't been close.
2: No. And it's amazing to me what they've done. I'm encouraged uh, again, I know we're running out of time, but I'm encouraged again when I look at Iowa State and Iowa and Indiana and and, and, and the teams around us that have been, like Wisconsin, that have been able to have success. I, there's no reason that Illinois can't do the same thing.
1: We'll find out. It gets going at 2.40 this afternoon. The uh, game day pregame show begins at 12.30. Mr. Tate, we'll see you over there. I'll be there. After a while. Thanks to Dave Leak, our producer on the show, on WDWS News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, Champaign-Urbana. This is Steve Kelly. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you again real soon.